Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Why don't you stand to your feet? You know, our moms, you probably had a nickname from your mom, maybe. Our moms know how to call us, don't they? You knew exactly who was calling you when your mom was calling you out there. And you probably knew whether you were in trouble or not when your mom called you, right? By the tone of her voice. Isn't it great to know that we have a God? And we are who God says we are, right? Children of His. I am a child of God. Let's sing together this morning. Sing with me. Who am I that the highest would welcome? I was lost, but He brought me. Well, good morning. 
It is great to see everybody here today. We've got an exciting day planned, and I just want to say welcome, especially today, to all of our moms that are here. And if you're, if you're a mom, would you just stand? Would you do that for us? Let's give them a hand. Can we do that? Thank you. Good to see everybody today. Uh, if you are a guest, we ask you to please take one of the care cards that are located there in the pew rack. If you take one of those and fill in your information, we want to at least send you something from our church. And thank you for being with us. On the back of the care card is a place for anyone to put prayer requests. And you can fill that in. As you leave today, there are uh, two boxes on round tables in the back. You can place those there or give that to Pastor Scott on your way out today. But thank you again uh, for being with us in worship today. A couple of announcements I do need to make. Uh, we have a, a VBS, Vacation Bible School, information lunch next Sunday, right after morning worship. If you would like to see what's going on for Vacation Bible School this summer, we encourage you to come. It's going to be Build Your Own Pasta Lunch. And so that'll be next Sunday. We want to encourage you to be a part of that. There's also a ladies' summer Bible study beginning on June the 2nd. There's two classes, 10 a.m. Uh, there'll be a class and 6.30. There'll be a class. This is a study called The Gospel on the Ground by Christy McLellan. It's a study of the early church in Acts, and she does a great job with those and want to encourage you to be a part of that. It costs $20 for the workbook, and there's, you can sign up at the information desk in the lobby. Amy Alley, she's here with us this morning. Her last day is June the 1st. Uh, we're going to miss Joel, Amy, Quinn, and Lane uh, being a part of our church family. Uh, we have uh, loved having them here, and we have a farewell uh, reception for them on Sunday, May 22nd at 5 o'clock in the core. And so we want to encourage you to be a part of that on uh, that day, Sunday the 22nd of May, to be a part of that. So please uh, make plans to be here. We have a very special day, being Mother's Day. Uh, today, we always set aside as our family dedication Sunday, and so we have a lot of guests here, guests here with us, and so Pastor Scott is coming at this time to lead us in that time. It is a day of celebration for us as we celebrate family uh, dedication. It's not just child dedication. But it's parent-child dedication because these families are dedicating themselves and their children uh, to the Lord. And we have several families this morning. I'd like to ask them to go ahead and stand up and come closer uh, to the altar. And uh, initially, if they would remain facing me and then uh, at some point later on, I will have them turn and face the congregation as they state their family name, their children's names, and their purpose for being here uh, today. And I always tell them, don't worry if one of them acts up, you know. Uh, we would expect that, and so I'll just talk over them. You just, but don't be worried about that, okay? No worries uh, whatsoever. Uh, but it is a joy to see these uh, families. And you know, as we gather for worship today, and we witness this as a church family, how fitting it is as the body of Christ that we witness this together. See, I told you. Uh, in, in this case, though, I'm surprised it's not the dad. But anyway. <clears throat> 
You know, when I uh, think of a day like this, I always think about Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah was unable to have children, and she prayed and asked God for a son. And she said, God, if you will give me a son, I will dedicate him back to you. And that is exactly what Hannah did. And we know that her son Samuel became a major influence in the early days of Israel. And I believe it began with a mother's prayers and a mother's impact on her son. And then who can forget after the birth of the Lord Jesus, Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple at the proper time and they dedicated him to the Lord. And so it's very fitting that these families today are standing here and doing this. There's a strong biblical tradition for this. Uh, there's several admonitions I want to give to these families. First of all, I want to charge each one of you to rededicate yourselves to Christ and his lordship over your life. And then secondly, rededicate yourselves to God's church, which is the bride of Christ. Jesus loves his bride. And then thirdly, I want to ask you to rededicate yourselves to your spouse and to the building of a Christ-honoring home. I'm going to ask you a question. You can just simply respond by saying, we do, if this is your desire. Parents, you're to make every effort to pray for your child and to lead your child to faith in the Lord Jesus and to raise these children on the principles of God's word. Do you pledge yourselves this day to do this? If you would turn and face the congregation, and as you do so, I'm going to ask you to state your name and the name of your child or children and your purpose for being here today. Good morning, church. We are the Henson family. My name is uh, Dana Henson, my wife, Maury Henson, our child, Riley Grace Henson, and we're here this morning for a very special uh, moment we're here to dedicate ourselves and our child Riley to to the Lord. Thank you. Eleven, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Hi, we are the Logans. My name is Chris. This is my wife Whitney and my son Dawson and Sawyer. And we are here today to dedicate ourselves to the Lord. 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Good morning. We are the Robinsons. My wife, Tiffany. I'm James. This is Summer, Savannah. And this is James Robinson III. And we're here to dedicate ourselves um, and our son, James, to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let me stop right there before we continue with the Staffords. Uh, folks, you're witnessing a miracle right here. 
Uh, James is the child in our congregation that we prayed for for probably, what, a year? Uh, when he was born, uh, he was in the intensive care unit, and things were really touch and go for a long time. And so we rejoice today that these parents are able to stand here with James. Amen? Good morning, everyone. We're the Staffords. Uh, this is my wife, Meredith. This is my daughter, Ava Jane, my son, McGregor, and my son, Quinn. And we're here to dedicate our family to the Lord Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Good morning, we're the Walters. I'm Brennan. This is my wife, Haley. This is our son, Finley, and our new son, Jonesy. And we're here this morning to dedicate our family and our sons to the Lord. Psalm 16, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Amen. And uh, church family, as you look at these families standing down front. Uh, these are families and children that God has entrusted to us as a congregation for their spiritual care and growth. If it is your pledge as the body of Christ, as their brothers and sisters in the Lord, if it's your pledge to stand with these families, to pray for them, to encourage them as the days, weeks, months, and years go by, if this is your pledge, would you simply respond by standing together? And Heavenly Father, we do want to dedicate these families and these precious children to you. The Bible says that children are a blessing from the Lord, and indeed they are. And the scripture also mentions that they are like arrows who are shot out from the bow. We prepare them to be shot out into the world where, where they will be salt and light for the Lord Jesus. God, we pray for these families that you would envelop them with your grace, your care, your strength. Lord, the challenges in the world today are so great. The challenges of parenting are so great. The temptations, the the peer pressure these kids will face is perhaps more today than it's ever been at any time in history. And we pray for each little boy and girl that you would so work in their hearts that at the right time they would come to faith in the Lord Jesus. Lord, that they would deny themselves and pick up their crosses and follow Christ as the scripture commands. Lord, that they would witness your activity in their lives. We ask that you would use each one of these children as Christian influencers in their lives. We pray for their moms and dads. Uh, God, I just pray that you would give them a strength and a wisdom beyond anything that they possess on their own. Help them to raise and to shepherd these little ones to know you to grow in you, and to do your will. And as a congregation, Lord, uh, impress upon our hearts of what our responsibility 
in this endeavor is. That we are to serve them and pray for them and encourage them. We're a family together. We're the family of God. And Father, each of us, I pray that we would be found faithful. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may Jesus be remain standing. God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son that we might be saved. Amen. What an amazing, amazing grace and sacrifice for us. Let's think about that this morning.
Thank you, choir. Uh, find First Timothy chapter four in your copy of the Scripture. First Timothy chapter four. Uh, you'll notice from the opening words on your uh, study page that I've made available to you today. Certainly not a passage that we would normally associate with motherhood, because it is an older pastor with words of admonition to a younger pastor. But the reason I've chosen it is because of the way motherhood is essentially a shepherding role also. Uh, you're a shepherd in your home to your children, you and your husband. And so the words that we find here I think are very appropriate admonitions uh, to moms as well. And let me say as I look out at the congregation there are at least... Three of us that I notice have lost our moms just within the past few weeks or months, uh, probably more. Uh, so the three of us, myself included, I think we would uh, say to you, if you still have your mom, uh, love on her while you have her because you never know when those days will be over. Amen. Would you stand for the reading of God's word, please? I want to cover the topic today. A mother's work is never done, and I don't have to tell moms that. Uh, we're going to begin reading at verse 11 and reading down through to the end of the chapter. Paul says, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds this morning to these verses and the way that we intend to apply them to mothers today. We do indeed ask your blessings upon each mom. <clears throat> that you would give her grace and wisdom and strength. That the power and presence of your Holy Spirit would walk with her in her difficult but joyful role. Lord, bless our mothers. Lord, I, all I can do is speak to ears. But I would ask your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts today. And accomplish your purposes here. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I know that most of you, no doubt, have heard about the legendary basketball star, Larry Bird. Larry Bird, of course, played many years for the Boston Celtics. And then after his time with the Celtics, he went on for three years to be the coach of the Indiana Pacers. Now, you may not know much about his past and the influence of his mother, on his life. He grew up in a little town called French Lick, Indiana. 
And uh, he was born into a large family that normally struggled financially. Uh, in fact, he describes them as being uh, very badly poverty-stricken. And then to worsen the situation, in 1975, Larry Bird's father committed suicide. And this left his mom to raise six small children. They were already struggling financially, and now they really were. But he said, you know, it was incredible what our mom taught us. She taught us to never give up. She taught us to work hard, to persevere, to hang in there. And we as children in the home, we saw her example and we were able uh, to follow her example that she set for us. Folks, just as youthfulness is sometimes looked down upon, it sometimes seems in society today that motherhood is also looked down upon. If you were to listen to some voices on the streets of America, you would think that motherhood is somehow or another not a noble profession. And that a woman would spend her time uh, much better if she would go and do something else. You know, Ann Landers is certainly someone that I would not relate to a great deal, wouldn't agree with everything she wrote before her death in her newspaper column that some 90 million readers a day would read. But it's interesting what Ann Landers has to say about this. She says, and I quote, It's high time someone took on the free-swinging feminists who have decided for everybody else that a married woman who stays home is a brass plate dummy, a lazy three-toed sloth, or a traitor to her Radcliffe graduating class. Why has the American woman been made to feel ashamed because she's at home taking care of her own children? This was once considered noble and gratifying work. We're told, after all, that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. I think those are fitting words to go along with our text today. As we look at our text today, and especially as we concentrate on verse 12, we see the power of an example, the power of being a role model. And every one of us know in life we can either be a good role model or a bad role model. And we're being called on as believers, not just moms, but as believers in general. We're being called upon, like Timothy, to be good examples in all that we do. You know, we're either going to add to the good or the bad of the world. We're going to add to it or diminish it simply by our example. And so Paul is urging Timothy here to live with a great deal of forethought and purpose. Timothy is not simply to go through life marking time, treading water. He is instead to guard his steps. He's to strive to be a good example so that his life can have the maximum influence. 
And he admonishes Timothy in these different areas that I want us to apply to motherhood today. First of all, I want to say, moms, be an example in your speech. You know, the Bible is filled with admonitions when it comes to our words. I think of a couple of places in the book of Proverbs, instruction on speech from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 17 says a man, and we could just as well say a woman, of knowledge uses words with restraint. And a woman or a man of understanding is even tempered. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. And discerning if he holds his tongue. And then in Proverbs 21 verse 23 the Bible says. He or she uh, who guards their mouth and their tongue keep themselves from calamity. Proverbs 29 20 says. Do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. And then finally in Proverbs 10, 19, the scripture says, When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Folks, we see in many places in the Bible that the tongue is very powerful. All we've got to do to see the impact of our words is simply listen to things that are going on like this year in an election year with the midterm elections. And it gets even worse when it's a presidential election year. I mean, just listen to all the, the mudslinging, the words that, that go into campaigns. Think of your life in general. Think of how words have an impact. Our kids will know us by our words. Listen to what one kid said even about hearing their name spoken. Uh, this little girl said, any child can tell you that the sole purpose of a middle name is so that she can tell when she's really in trouble. <laughs> Our words can either build up or tear down. There's a place for rebuke, there's a place for correction, there's a place for encouragement also. Our words to be an encouragement. Proverbs 25.11 says, A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Folks, one thing we have to ask ourselves is, do we, do we correct our children at the proper time? Do we give encouragement at the proper time? How do we speak to our children? Because again, they know. Words matter. Our words will tell our kids a great deal about how serious we are in our Christian walk. I think also of instruction not only from the Proverbs but from the Lord Jesus himself. Jesus spoke of being honest in our speech. He said let your yes be yes and your no, no. And he went on to say that anything else is of the evil one. What he was talking about there was being honest in your speech. Moms, be a model to your children when it comes to honesty. If they see you cleverly hiding behind little white lies, you know what? That's going to teach them that telling little white lies is okay whenever they need to do so. 
You know, I was disturbed a number of years ago to, to read an article about the vast majority of Americans now believe that lying is okay in situations where you can be benefited by it. Folks, what is that saying about our national character? When we're now saying lying's okay if the situation demands for it. You know, we need to listen to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs 6 says, There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and head, uh, hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deceives wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. A false witness who utters lies. And one who spreads strife among brothers. That's a powerful passage. The Lord hates a lying tongue. We're not to be like one American political leader who said one time sarcastically, he said, a lie is an abomination to the Lord and a very present help in times of trouble. That's not how we're to be. Folks, part of our honesty even has to do with, with keeping our vows, saying that or doing rather what we say we will do and not doing what we say we're not going to do and certainly when it comes to our kids any promises we make to them uh, we need to keep our words we need to be honest that's the type of honesty that Jesus was speaking about in the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus went on in the Gospels don't forget this he went on in the Gospels to, to tell us that what comes out of a person's mouth is a mirror to what is in their heart. It reveals what's in your heart. And then I also think about instruction on speech from the book of James. In fact, turn with me over to the book of James. James chapter 3. James speaks of the dangers of the tongue. He says, beginning there in verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by uh, strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, and yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness the tongue is set among our members uh, staining the whole body setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell for every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind but no human being can tame the tongue tongue it is a restless evil full of deadly poison with it we bless our lord and father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. 
You hear what James is talking, talking about there? He's talking about how small things. It can be a bit in the horse's mouth or a small rudder on a big ship. And something small that's controlling something much bigger. Our tongue is only about four ounces. But yet look at people who destroy their lives because of this little four ounce instrument that sits in their mouth. We need to be an example in our speech. We need to control our tongues. We need to be careful that we're not using our tongues in the wrong way towards people who are made in the very image of God. You know, we come to church and we, we sing our praises to God. We bless His name. We can leave church, go home, and we can curse somebody who's made in the very image of God. And James is saying, just stop and think about this inconsistency and how much damage we can do with the tongue it can be like a little spark in a you know you hear about some of these wildfires out in Colorado or California or somewhere else out west and and they'll trace back how it started and and these Thousands of acres and numerous homes are destroyed and, and lives changed forever. And it maybe started with a small spark at a campfire or something like that. The tongue is powerful. And we need as Christians to recognize that. And we need to be careful how we use our tongue, how we use our words. Proverbs 25, 28 says, Like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. Mom, moms, do you have self-control with your words? Again, be an example in your speech. Secondly, be an example in your conduct. He goes on to say, uh, he uses that very word, set an example in conduct. And that, of course, relates to how we live out the gospel. We are to apply the word of God to life. You know, the Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Folks, God's word is God's word. But you know, for it to do any good, it's got to be lived out. It's got to be applied. James says, let us be doers of the word and not hearers only. He goes on to say, if we are hearers only and not doers as well, we are deceiving ourselves. One of the most powerful deceptions of all is how we can go to Sunday school and, and church. And we can talk about things that are in Bible. Then we can go home and we can fail to apply those principles to life. You can go home and gossip about a Sunday school teacher or about a fellow member. Gossip about a preacher or deacon. Run, run down a member. Then the faith that you say you have gives evidence of actually a faith that is in vain. Do you practice what you say you know about the Bible? 
I can't help but believe that's the very reason why most Americans say they're Christians and yet society today is more pagan than it's ever been before. Folks, in a society like ours, we need examples not only in speech but in conduct. I don't remember where I got these statistics from, but in America every day at least three children die from child abuse every day. 500 children ages 10 to 14 begin using illegal drugs. Daily, 1,400 young unwed mothers, un, unwed girls become mothers. Among teens ages 15 to 19, shootings are the third leading cause of death. And teenage suicide has more than tripled in the last quarter century. Disturbing. Folks, we've got to be examples with our lives. We can talk all day long about raising our children in Christian homes, but if we never crack open the Bible in the home and read it, or we never pray, or we never talk about biblical answers to everyday problems, are we making a mockery out of the, out of the faith that we say we possess? If we come to church and talk about honesty... And then we go home and we cut corners and we cheat on our income tax. Are we making a mockery out of the faith that we say we have? If we talk about the importance of forgiveness and yet there are people in our lives that we simply will not forgive. Then you know what? Forgiveness is nothing but a cold dead principle on a, on a page. And it has nothing to do with our lives. And again we're making a mockery of our Christian faith. Moms, strive to be a role model. Don't measure your Christianity by simply how much you know, but also by how much you practice. It's both. We are to know the word and we're to practice it. We're to live it out. Because again, that's the standard God uses. In fact, Jesus said, if we hear his word and do nothing with it, we're like a foolish builder who built his house on sand. Storms came and the, and the house collapsed. To be a wise builder like somebody building your house on the rock, he says, you've got to not only hear my words, but you've got to put them into practice in your everyday life. Thirdly, be an example in your love. I know it's easy to love your children most of the time. Uh, but how about in other areas of your life? You see, folks, the Bible says there is a love to shun. 1 John 2 verses 15 to 17 say, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. Some people love the world. That's a love that we're to shun. Jesus said in Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Moms, what do you treasure most in life? What is your true love in life? But not only is there a love to shun, but there's also a love to embrace. Remember in Matthew 22, Jesus was asked on one occasion, they were testing him and asking him, Master, what is the greatest commandment of all? And you remember what he said? You're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says on these two commands hangs all the law and the prophets. Loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, every fiber of your being. And then loving your neighbor as yourself. That's our greatest challenge in life. That is a love that we are to embrace. Moms, be an example for your kids in loving the Lord like that and in loving your neighbor. You know, there's a wonderful story in the Bible about a woman loving Jesus like this, extravagant love. They were at a dinner one time or a, a meeting, Jesus and his disciples, and in walks a woman and she uh, breaks the neck off of a fancy flask of perfume it was very expensive we're told and the disciples were grumbling they said the 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 the, the perfume in that flask would equal an entire year's wage and she dumps it all out on Jesus feet and wipes his feet with her hair and the disciples are rebuking her, but Jesus said, let her alone. She has done a wonderful act of love toward me. And he said, in the future, wherever this gospel is preached, what she has done will be made known. Do we love the Lord with any type of love that anybody would ever say seems extravagant? Moms, love the Lord with all your heart. Don't cling to things in the world. Don't build your treasures here. Everything in the world's going to pass away one day. Love what Christ says we're to love. Him and one another. Fourthly, be an example in your faith. He says not only in, in speech and in conduct and love, but also in faith. You know, the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible. Now, we know that a life of faith begins with a heart given to Christ. Am I speaking to a mom here who needs to deal with her sin? Maybe you've been under conviction about your sin and you've not come to saving faith in Christ yet and the Holy Spirit's been working on you. You need to see your sin and your need of a Savior and you need to come to Christ. And then also express a heart growing in Christ. Moms, where do you invest your time and your energy? 
It's not that we don't have enough time to do this in life. But you know, it's how we use the time that we've been given. Invest your time in growing in the Lord. In verses 7 and 8 of this same chapter, uh, Paul says to Timothy, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is only of little profit. And everybody who doesn't go to the gym, that's probably your favorite verse right there. Bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Do your kids see in you a growing faith? You know, it's a poor testimony for Christianity uh, when we've been Christians for years and years, maybe decades, and yet we're still sucking on the bottle, so to speak. We're still babes in Christ. The writer of Hebrews said, By now you ought to be mature you ought to have been grown up and you ought to be teachers yourselves of these things but he said instead instead of being able to give you meat and treat you as adults in the faith I'm still having to give you milk you're babies and you've not grown moms grow in your faith J. Oswald Sanders once said, You're as close to Christ right now as you desire to be. And that's true. We know that God wants us mature. We're told to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. God wants us to grow. And so if our faith has not grown, who's responsible for that? William Law who lived back in the 18th century. Uh, he, he was an a English clergyman. He, he said much the same. He said, And if you will here stop and ask yourself why you are not as pious as the early Christians were, your own heart will tell you that it is neither through ignorance nor through inability, but purely because you have never intended it so moms put spiritual disciplines to practice in your life read your bible pray witness to others serve the lord with the resources and the giftedness that you've been given just do the basics and you'll begin to grow Moms, what I want you to understand, though, is that by being an example in the faith, it's not something that just happens by accident. It happens only with purpose, determination, and great intention. Now, if you're doing everything else, you can even be doing good things and not grow in your faith. You can be doing good religious things. I, I read about one woman, she was on this club and that club in, in the church and in the community. She was on every club possible. And, and when she died, her family put on her tombstone, she was clubbed to death. <laughs> Take the time to grow. Something else is going to have to be set aside. But what is growing in the faith worth to you?
Is it worth making these adjustments? An example of, of, of being uh, what you ought to be in the faith is also seen in a heart governed by Christ. Faith is demonstrated by how we put our profession to work. Are we governed by Christ? I think of Abraham and Sarah that we've looked at recently on Sunday mornings. They were willing to leave home and father's households to go to a land that God was calling them to. They wanted God to govern every aspect of their lives. I think of Rahab who put her life on the line by hiding the, the spies that came into the land. I think of Deborah who led God's people into battle. I think of Esther who went before the king and she risked her life in order to intercede for her people. All of these were people in the Bible whose hearts were governed by, by Christ. Folks, faith costs. If your faith never cost you anything, then there must not be much faith there. And then fifthly, I want to say, be an example in your purity, verse 12 closes out with. I think we would all have to agree that we live in a society today. You know, you know I would say that we live in an R-rated society, but I think we've even gotten worse than that now. It seems like anybody in media, in advertising, uh, in Hollywood, it, it's like everybody is pushing the envelope to make society more and more and more pornographic. But ladies, think of what Simon Peter said in 1 Peter 3. He said, ladies, let not your adornment be merely external. Braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. Peter is talking about ladies having a pure heart. Peter is not saying, as some misunderstand him here, that, that, that ladies can't put on makeup and fix up their hair and wear nice clothes. He's not saying, but he's saying, do that in moderation. The emphasis in your life, by the way, men, this ought to be the same with us too. The emphasis in life is not on the externals, but it's on the heart. And if we're going to be extravagant in any area, it ought to be in purity of heart. <sighs> Ladies, if motherhood was going to be easy, it would not have started with something called labor. <laughs> you know, somebody said as, as kids get older, and become teens. Raising teenagers is kind of like trying to nail jello to the wall. <laughs> now, aside from verse 12, I want you to keep reading with me in, in verse 13 and following. Let's, let's see what he, he goes on to say here that has so much application to us. 
Uh, first of all, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. He says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Verse 13. You know, they didn't have copies of the Bible back then like we do. They would go to church to hear the Scripture read. And at this point, all they had was the Old Testament. Gradually, the apostles' writings came to be viewed on the same level as the Old Testament Scripture. That was part of the canon of Scripture developing. But moms, even as Timothy was told to read it and preach it and and devote himself to reading it and teaching it, moms, let me challenge you to devote yourselves to reading the Word of God. Devote yourself to Scripture. And you know, today we have the wonderful opportunity uh, to go online. Uh, If you need help in vetting some good speakers who are solid in their their doctrine, we'd, we'd be glad to help you in that. But there's all kinds of stuff out there on the internet today. Great speakers and you can feed yourself all week long. You know, in, in the uh, announcements today, Kevin made an announcement about an upcoming uh, Bible study for ladies, the Bible on the ground by Christy McClellan. Some months ago, our ladies went through another Bible study by her called Jesus and Women. And I could not believe the way the women in our church, young, middle-aged, and old, were talking about how powerful that Bible study was, Jesus and Women. You know what, ladies? You can go on YouTube and you can search on YouTube for Jesus and Women by Christy McClellan. And guess what? Every single one of those Bible studies that our ladies in the church heard her do when they took that class, every single one of her Bible studies, her lectures, is on YouTube. You can listen to that. Devote yourself to the reading of Scripture, to the teaching of it, to exhortation, and do that with your kids. You know, also in your home, is there any scripture posted anywhere? It amazes me to go in Christians' homes. You don't, you don't see any plaques. You don't see any, any pictures or anything of, of scripture verses anywhere in a Christian's home. Moms, make sure scripture is seen in your home. Devote yourself to it. He goes on to say in verse 14, do not neglect the gift you have. Just like Timothy, if you're saved, you have a gift that is to be used for the sake of the body of Christ. And your spiritual gift is not for you, it is for others. Are you using your gift to build up the body of Christ? Then he goes on in verse 15, he says, Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Do your children see your progress in your growth in all of these areas? And then finally, notice how Paul again says, Keep watch on yourself. He says, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing... For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Endurance, persistence, keeping on, keeping on. 
And he gives the two motivations for doing so. He says, first you will save yourself. Now what's he mean by that? A true saving faith is a faith that perseveres and grows and bears fruit. Jesus said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Go and bear fruit and so prove yourselves to be my disciples. The scripture is not saying you're going to lose your salvation. The scripture is saying if you've got the real thing, you're going to persist and you're going to grow and you're going to bear fruit. And then he says you also save your hearers. Moms, apply that to your situation. Your growth in Christ, your dedication and continuance in these things may be the very thing that motivates your children that God uses to draw them to Christ. Connie has told me on some of the podcasts she listens to for ladies' ministry things. She said, you would not believe the number of grown ladies now on these podcasts that say it was the example of their mother as they watched their mother come to know Christ and grow in Christ and to devote herself to the things of Christ these grown ladies now are saying it was their mother's faith and example in this that drew them to saving faith in Christ Paul says, immerse yourself in these things. Giving evidence of your own salvation. The genuineness of it. And then because of the impact you can have on others by by continuing. I want to ask you to bow in prayer with me this morning. Moms are... Are you allowing the Lord to daily mold and shape within you a heart of virtue and character? Think about that. Are you allowing the Lord to daily mold and shape within you a heart of faith, virtue, and character? Am I speaking to a mom here this morning you, you know the first thing you need to do is to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus. I'm not telling you something you don't know. The Lord's been impressing this on your heart lately. That you need to come to Christ. The Lord's been pursuing you. The Lord's been drawing you. That's why you feel that way. Come to Christ today. Ladies, put any failures behind you. I like what Paul said elsewhere. He said, forgetting what lies behind, pressing on to what lies ahead. Pressing on for the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You cannot do a thing about what's behind. Confess it. Repent of it. Allow the Lord to cleanse you of whatever sin, whatever shortcoming there is. Lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of you. Children of all ages, your mother may not be perfect, or she may not have been perfect, 
But you know what? Neither are you and neither am I. No doubt your mom gave it her all. If she's still living, let her know how much you appreciate her. Husbands, have you encouraged your wife? Are you helping your wife to be all that God wants her to be? Husbands, why not make some changes in your own heart so you can be the man of Christ that your wife needs and pray for her and encourage her? God, we thank you so much for the instruction of your word. There are people out in the world today that say, the Bible's irrelevant for 2022. No, it's not. Lord, it speaks to issues like this that are right where we live today. God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.